Welcome everyone to the second episode of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, along here with Thilu, and we are going to break down the South Dakota State game and give you a preview to uh, the big non-conference matchup in K-State's non-conference schedule against Mississippi State here this Saturday. Dilu, what do we think here uh, about the second edition of uh, the Short Side Option Podcast coming straight downhill at you? Well, it's great to be back with you, Chris. Uh, it's an honor to uh, do another week with you, the icon, Chris Sork. Uh, and I'm excited to uh, put last week behind us and get uh, get focused on a more, ex- well, it's hard to say that Mississippi State's going to be more exciting than that South Dakota game was, but certainly a, an opponent that's going to be more exciting. Well, yeah, the, the South Dakota game was very exciting, uh, too exciting, uh, as, far as, as far as many Wildcats fans are, are concerned. Uh, K-State had to come back from a uh, two-touchdown deficit uh, here in the final quarter when the offense looked uh, anemic at best all night. Uh, so we'll, we'll touch on the South Dakota State game, uh, and we'll get you, we'll get you uh, taken care of in terms of a preview for the Mississippi State and uh, we'll also answer your questions later in the podcast, as well as give you uh, our pick for K-State versus Mississippi State. But uh, let's go ahead and get started here with the South Dakota preview. Uh, let's talk about uh, what went right and uh, what went wrong. There's an awful lot more to talk about on the wrong side of things here, unfortunately. But let's, uh, let's start with what you saw that was positive from K-State in their, uh, in their victory over South Dakota. Well, I mean, it's it's not going to be anything surprising. Obviously, there was a lot of ugly that happened in the first three quarters of that game. Uh, on the opposite side of the ball, take your pick. I mean, our guy, Sean, a.k.a. Jordy Nelson, in my opinion, horrible night for him. Uh, lots of drops, and one big one that he bobbled a perfect pass from Skylar Thompson, probably the best throw of the night. Uh, but that, of course, led to the interception. Uh, going down the list, there's Alex Barnes. He fumbled it four times, I believe. Uh, yeah, I believe he had. Th- was, was it? Was it four or three? Uh, I. It, it was three. We lost two. Of three them. lost two. That's see, that's what I was thinking. And you know, I'm gonna back you up to the show. Uh, you know, bobble to an interception. That was a point in the game where I became. Very nervous that this was not going to be a that Casey was going to get off to an zero and one start uh, during the uh, for a season opener, which was a really scary realization to have at that time. Well, yeah, not only an zero and one start. I mean, we started zero and one. What was that in two thousand sixteen against Stanford? But so the zero and one start wasn't what was existentially terrifying about that uh, about that moment. It was. This is going to be the worst K-State loss I've ever seen. The most embarrassing uh, loss I've ever witnessed in my 20 years of, of K-State you know, fanhood. And I, coming to terms with that down two scores in the fourth quarter was, was a struggle, and it was not fun. And uh, I, I think the shown interception was... Uh, no, that was in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was r- the first play of the fourth quarter. Uh, K-State hadn't obviously done anything o- offensively all night. They had had to settle for four uh, Blake Lynch field goals up until that point. By the way, Groza. The, 
they may as well hand it to him. Hand it to him right now. Get it. Get get his name start. Uh, get that engraved already. It's it's locked. Get him on a high podium that he'll need a stepladder to get up onto and and crown him. Now, how tall was Martin Gramatica? He was about, gosh, off the top of my head, I'd say he was probably in the range of five seven. Maybe I'm so, maybe I'm discrediting him a little bit, but. Uh, he was a short little fella. So Blake Lynch and Martin Gramatica are essentially the same person. Yeah, I, I could, you know, they look alike. They they both kick with tremendous accuracy. They have, yeah, both have huge legs. Both wear number ten. Both wear number ten. Both are former soccer players. Both are from Argentina. They're the same person. They're the same person. They're the same. They're the exact same person. So you know that was a a huge question mark going into the season that. Blake Lynch uh, in the kicking game. We, you know, we're replacing Matthew McCrane, uh, Nick Walsh, both guys that were very reliable. Uh, Matt McCrane, of course, uh, on the on the uh, Arizona Cardinals recently got cut, but he's uh, making his rounds, trying to find a new NFL team uh, to kick for. Uh, wish him the best there, but uh, definitely a strong part of K State's team uh, for a number of years was the kicking game, and uh, this was a big question going into the season, but. Blake Lynch seems to have uh, eased some of those concerns, at least early on in week one. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a long season, and, and kicking can be such a uh, trend in terms of whether you're hot or cold. Uh, so we'll see, but it's certainly a good start for Mr. Lynch is uh, after South Dakota. But just to touch on the offense just a little more, uh, so we talked about mostly bad wide receiver play from Schoen. Uh, Barnes fumbles, but uh, I mean, the quarterbacks, it's been beat to death at this point, but I think Thompson was the better quarterback on Saturday. Neither were great, uh, but uh, the biggest concern, I think, for Wildcat fans is the offensive line, because sure. that was coming into the season. It was, this is a, certainly one of the top units in the Big 12 in a unit that's, you know, going to be near the near the top or at least a first or second tier offensive line in the country and uh we really struggled on Saturday with our offensive line play uh, especially uh in the run game but also South Dakota was getting some pressure on our quarterbacks pretty regularly without having to bring too much too many extra guys in to blitz you know watching the game live and also rewatching it uh a time or two I felt that the play calling was more the same in terms of uh, predictable by formation uh, to where South Dakota was crashing a guy down uh, on what we call, I guess what is maybe called a read option. I'm not quite sure if it's a read option or more just a running back sweep, but uh, the quarterback's never keeping it. That allows South Dakota to really key on that running back and it was tough for Alex Barnes or uh, Dalvin Warmack to get much going uh, on the ground for the first three quarters. Right, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and for the first three quarters, our, our running scheme was basically just straight zone blocking. Didn't use a lot of lead blockers there. And when we did use lead blockers, we had a lot more success. Uh, I don't know if you've seen any of the, the breakdowns in terms of plays uh, on, uh, if you're familiar with KSO fan, that mm-hmm. awesome K State fan who puts out these great yeah. stats, he broke it down and showed that on our basic 
uh, zone blocking schemes where we didn't use our lead blocker, we were bad all night. And I mean, bad. Bad. And uh, But when we did use a lead blocker, whether it was from a guy pulling or we used uh, an H-backer or something akin to a fullback, we actually had a fair amount of success, and that's what we started doing in the fourth quarter, and that's when Barnes really started making his hay uh, running the football, I think. Uh, he, I think he finished with just over 100 yards, and I think around 60 of those came in the fourth quarter when that's where we started uh, going with the running game. But uh, regardless, against a team like South Dakota, you expect a, a line like we all expected that we would have yeah. to come in and physically dominate and just pound them uh, at the point of the attack, but that didn't happen. Yeah, that didn't happen. And one other thing that I thought was a little concerning, uh, and we, we talked about it uh, with the Schoen bobble and the wide receivers as a whole, but struggling to get separation was something that, that stuck out to me all night. Uh, not a lot of openings in the passing game. Uh, Alex Dalton led K-State throwing for just under 100 yards, uh, but nothing really much in terms of passing game. Uh, of course, those stats may have looked a little bit different because – on that shown, uh, you know, bobble to an interception that could have been a touchdown, of course, and, well, it should a, have been. and a nice, uh, you know, 50, 60 yard touchdown pass there that would have, you know, made the numbers look a little bit better, but uh, not the case. K State uh, can't be can't be pleased with what they saw offensively, you know, from really any of the three uh, position groups: quarterback, offensive line. Uh, you know, running back at four groups, I guess, in the wide receivers. Now, Chris, do you think our struggles in this game, is that just a product of uh, first game rust? Is it a product of we were keeping the offense vanilla? Uh, is it a product of we might just be a bad offense or some combination of two or the three? You know, I don't think this offensive line is, is going to have that off- have that output too often this season. It's an established group. We know what they're capable of. Uh, but but last Saturday's game against South Dakota was certainly uh, one of their one of their worst performances. Uh, I saw, of course, in the um, post game comments from uh, Dalton Reisner that uh, they were they were embarrassed by their performance, and I expect them to play significantly better against uh, Mississippi State albeit against better competition. A lot better competition. We'll uh, get into that. But much better competition. And but I expect this to be to be a good unit for K State throughout the year. Uh, I think that the vanilla game plan, as you mentioned, a lot of it was just straight zone blocking. And uh, there were some, you know, instances where they kinda got blown up and uh, they they had trouble going all night uh, with that. So I think with a little bit more um, I think the scheme opening up a little bit in terms of getting some guys, more guys pulling, uh, and a little bit more intricate blocking schemes will allow uh, the running backs to get a little bit more room, which will make the make the offensive line look a whole lot better. And just one last point on the offensive line: Do you would you expect to see any adjustments there, personnel-wise? I know I've heard some people call for uh, the center uh, Adam Holtorf to uh, maybe be replaced by. Uh, Reisner and get uh, Revis in there at some point. Do you, would you expect to see any uh, personnel 
differences against Mississippi State? You know, I really don't. I think it's too early uh, to be making uh, wholesale changes like that in terms of you know swapping out a guy, especially Holtorf, who's who's been one of our better offensive linemen. He had a rough game, uh, and you know, but the whole whole unit really struggled. So. Uh, I think that there will be uh, potentially some changes down the road if this kind of performance continues. But I think one game in, it, I think it's a little bit early to be making changes to what's an experienced and veteran group. So I, I'm going to chalk this one up to a little bit of uh, you know just having a bad day out there and also uh, not being helped out a lot by the different types of schemes. Uh, we're pretty vanilla. I felt with our blocking scheme. So I think once we get that, uh, you know, once we get fully ramped up, I think we'll be just fine. So chalk it up to an outlier. Chalk it up to an outlier. Um, yeah, it, it certainly wasn't wasn't the most reassuring thing uh, to see, but I, I do feel confident about where that where that group is going forward. So uh, that's a little bit about what went wrong. What uh, what do we think went right? I know I mentioned uh, the special teams. Uh, special teams won us the game, in, in my opinion. I don't think anyone would really argue that. Blake Lynch, 4-4 uh, from field goals, uh, you know, kicking him out. To, I believe he had the long of 44, uh, I believe was the distance on that. And also uh, Isaiah Zuber really getting us back in the game with that, uh, with that punt return touchdown. At that point, it, uh, it was going to be tough for me to see that offense scoring uh, two touchdowns to, to get us back into the lead. But when you get help out like that with a special teams touchdown, uh, makes that makes that a little bit more manageable. Uh, what what were some other things too? And also with uh, with the special teams too, there was a uh, a Duke Shelley punt return that was also called back uh, by a, a illegal block in the back, somewhat an inconsequential uh, block in the back. Wouldn't have had too much outcome on the play, in my opinion. Uh, definitely frustrating uh, there. I know uh, one thing that we mentioned too in the what went wrong thing is. Uh, uh, is the penalties? We, you know, had 13 penalties. Unbelievable. For, for uh, and obviously Coach Snyder has, has uh, displayed his displeasure with that. Uh, but special teams overall uh, gets gets a big thumbs up for me. Well, right. Special teams was great. Aside from the, uh, was it McGee who had that block in the back on Shelley? Yeah, I believe it was. And that was, I mean, that block in the back, notwithstanding, he had a pretty good game. Otherwise. But uh, no, special teams was great. Um, but like you said, penalties uh, was a nightmare. Had up over, I think, up over 110 yards in penalties. Uh, and it's a cliche at this point because it gets repeated uh, on TV seemingly every week. Is Bill Snyder teams don't beat themselves. They ne- they will never beat themselves. Well. Kansas State nearly beat themselves. They tried their best last week. They really did. I mean, with the turnovers and the penalties. Um, but uh, aside from those issues, I think the defense played fine. Uh, that South Dakota wide receiver, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, number 88, he had a monster game, uh, particularly in the first half. Yeah, Levi Falk, he had quite the game. He was... You know, going, they were going right at Duke Shelley uh, early and often, and uh, Falk made some plays. Yeah, and, and on Shelley, too, which uh, is not what you want to see out of your uh, number one cornerback. Yeah, my all-conference uh, selection for him, uh, grave danger. Right yeah. I mean, not, not after a great start. To his credit, he Duke settled down, um, especially in the second half, 
and was able to have better coverage consistently. Um, but uh, our front four played fine. I think our D-line played okay. They, they could have got more pressure, but they did a really nice job in the run game. Uh, I think uh, size love, man, uh, this might be a recurring theme this year, and I hope it isn't, but he just got torched on that touchdown. Yeah, I uh, he got beat to the angle, uh, got beat to the corner of the end zone there by uh, by the quarterback on a on a nice little rollout there uh, by South Dakota. But the one thing I I thought size love was fine in run in in stopping the run, uh, but in terms of what he's is as an athlete. I'd like to see a lot more uh, Elijah Sullivan, and I think we'll see that uh, quite a bit as as the guy who anchors down that second linebacker spot. But one guy I thought played really well was Taquan Patton. What did what did you see from him? Yeah, Patton played great. Uh, that's you know he he played like we all were hoping uh, he'd play. I mean, he flew to the ball. He was decent in coverage, and that is a Big Twelve caliber linebacker. Yeah, no no question about that. I don't think. Uh, I don't think we would have mind seeing him on the field last year. Uh, the guy looked like he was really ready to play. I know uh, Brian Smoller and Travis Tanner, who I thought did a really good job on the broadcast, uh, mentioned that he was kind of a leader in the linebacker core this year. Uh, far and away, coaches have been you know extremely positive about what he has done so far uh, throughout spring ball, uh, fall camp as well. So he's going to be a guy that uh, I think is going to really be uh, the kind of the cornerstone for for the the front seven. Uh, I, th- I think yep. him and Reggie Walker. Reggie Walker, I thought p- played pretty well. Only got one sack. Uh, as K State only got one sack on the night, but was all around the quarterback all night, and I thought played a really good game. Yeah, he, yeah, Walker definitely did. Um, he was he like you said only one sack, and I believe that there were one or two more where he was. Had every right to get the sack, just yeah. just uh, was evaded in the backfield, which you don't like to see. But getting that pressure is encouraging, at least. Um, what did you make of AJ Parker getting the uh, hook uh, for McGee? Well, it, I thought it turned out to be you know a good move. I thought uh, McGee played really well. Thought uh, that pass interference call on him uh, at, at the very end of the game to get South Dakota a little bit closer to try uh, what would have been a game-time field goal. I thought it was bogus. Uh, I thought it was a pretty weak call. So that being said, I think he graded out probably the highest of any uh, of the defensive backs, especially defensive cornerbacks. I thought Kendall Adams played a pretty solid game. Wasn't – you know, you didn't hear uh, his name called a ton in terms of, you know, knocking down passes, but – Thought played a pretty well or a pretty good game in his in his first game back uh, here here after an Achilles injury. Yeah, so I I think that we both agree that uh, the defense was far better than the offense on Saturday. Which sure. coming into the season that would not be what you would have guessed. You no, would have expected certainly. us to uh, have the offensive horses ready to go and the defense to be the big question mark. But uh, the defense, I mean, allowed zero points in the second half. Pitched a shutout. Yep. Pitched a shutout in the second half. And needed all of it. That's absolutely right. And so after a shaky, uh, somewhat shaky first half, they played a great game. Uh, gave up one touchdown on a short field uh, or a field goal in the, 
Did they score a touchdown after Barnes fumble on the field goal after the Barnes uh, initial fumble uh, for for South Dakota to take the initial three nothing lead? But I thought the defense they, they were putting some tough spots with some turnovers. Uh, and, you know, being on the field quite a bit. When the offense is going three and out or, you know, getting a first down and then going three and out the next possession, you're not you're not getting a ton of rest. And that allows the South Dakota offense, of course, to get into a bit of a rhythm. So I think the defense was definitely uh, way ahead of the offense after game one. One thing I wanted to also mention, too, uh, as we kind of wrap up the South Dakota a review portion of, of this podcast is what did you make of Blake Seiler's uh, defensive coordinating debut? Did you feel a little bit more aggressive in in bringing some pressure on on passing downs and, and especially third down? Yeah, I thought the scheme was very encouraging. I mean, we were disguising things more. Uh, we weren't. It wasn't instantly apparent that we were bringing pressure when we did. We would show pressure and back out of it, and that's something you didn't really see all that often with Tom Hayes. And so. Yeah, there were some good, encouraging, fairly basic, common sense things that you would do with a defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point late in the game, uh, I forget which third down it was, but it was one of our big third down stops in the fourth quarter uh, that we went 100% Phil Bennett on him and brought the stinking house. Yeah, that was actually the, uh, I believe, the last. Uh, play that they got off before they got the delay of game uh, to push him back a little bit further. But we did bring the house. We brought, uh, I think we were playing probably zero coverage behind, uh, relying on, on Duke, uh, relying on uh, McGee to uh, to lock him up. And, and we got home with that, thankfully, because if not, uh, could have been bad. Could have been bad for K-State, and it could have got him a lot closer uh, to, to a field goal. Uh, quickly, just to kind of wrap this up here, not a great first game for K-State. Does this impact what you're thinking? How, I guess how much should K-State fans worry about what was a, a concerning week one? Well, I don't think week one will tell us all that much about what K-State's going to do the rest of the season. I mean, obviously K-State has had games in the past against uh, inferior competition where we've gone out and laid an egg. Whether... It was Ohio in 1997. Well, actually, I take that back. Ohio was an eight-win team that year. Okay, well, you're, you're off the hook for that one. <laughs> so, but, but, I mean, we all remember the Marshall game. We all remember the Fresno State game. Lord knows we all remember the North Dakota State game. We all remember the UMass scare. We all remember the Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky game. Uh, in some seasons, we, we bounced back and went on to have – double-digit win seasons, like in 2011. Other seasons, yeah, it was a sign of concern. Sure. And so the point is is that I, I don't think it's it's hard to draw too much from that game. Obviously, K-State is the far superior talent team uh, against South Dakota. And obviously, we went out there and did pretty much everything we could to lose that game, including turning it over and having a bunch of penalties um, but the important thing is we found a way to get out of there with a win, uh, to play another day. And I think uh, this weekend and uh, even uh, against UTSA will tell us a lot more about what we can expect. 
Yeah, when K-State uh, commits 13 penalties for 129 yards and is minus four in the turnover battle and is able to win, it's kind of a surprise. Uh, against anyone, I think anyone that commits four turnovers, even against a, a team that you feel like you're, you're superiorly talented over, you're going to have a tough time. And in case they did have a tough time, but they were able to beat South Dakota 27-24 uh, to go to 1-0 on the season. Uh, that'll conclude the wrap-up portion of uh, the South Dakota game. And we'll be back after this to preview the Mississippi State game on the short side option. And we're back here on the short side option. Uh, here's we're getting into the Mississippi State preview portion of the podcast. But first, we're going to introduce a little bit of a new segment here uh, with you guys. Uh, it's called This Week's Wildcat Legend. And this week's Wildcat Legend is none other than Tony Madison. Drew, what do you remember about Tony Madison? Well, Tony Madison was a great player. He was He was number seven, and I think he's somebody that... Uh, he goes down in a long list of heralded number sevens for Kansas State and is at or near the top of that list. Um, but, but what I recall from Tony Madison is, is a catch he had against uh, Kansas University where it was a pass thrown by Dylan Meyer. Uh, they were moving to the, to the north end zone late in the game in 2004, and Dylan just threw an absolute bomb to Tony Madison streaking down the east sideline. Madison brought it in, ran into the end zone. I was right in that corner of that end zone, and the Wildcat faithful were going absolutely berserk. Yeah, that's a, that's a touchdown that not many K-State fans will forget anytime soon. Unfortunately, K-State lost that game to KU that day. Uh, really, a tough, that's the last Bill Snyder loss to, uh, to KU. That's yeah, that's right. Wow. So, that uh, I don't think we're gonna have one this year too. I'm no, gonna, I, I'm spoiler alert. But I'm not know. too worried about it. But uh, it was a sad outcome, but certainly a legendary Wildcat moment for a Wildcat legend like Tony Madison. Uh, Tony Madison also uh, he came in as part of that 2002 recruiting class. That believe it or not, now turn this up, K State fans. Uh, this recruiting class was ranked number 15th in the nation what? by rivals. Fifteenth, wow! I didn't think we could have recruiting classes that high. We did, and you know, in this recruiting class, uh, not to get too off track here, but we had names like Donnie Anders, uh, Ryan Lilja uh, played a little bit, uh, Sean Lowe of Bachelor fame, so uh, Daniel Davis, Daniel Davis. Not to not to spoil any future Wildcat legend names here. No, we don't want to get too far into this, but. Uh, you know, really a highly thought of recruiting class for for K State there, and uh, Tony Madison uh, was was as heralded as any of those uh, wide receiver out of Highland Community College. His career stat line, of course, is uh, played in seven games for the Cats, had 13 receptions, 204 yards. That's an average reception uh, of 15.7 yards, which is pretty good, and uh, had two touchdowns. One of which was the aforementioned uh, score against uh, Kansas. 
Yes, of course. So Tony Madison, this week's Wildcat legend. So now as we move on here to the Mississippi State uh, preview, uh, let's give you a quick overview about Mississippi State. Uh, talented team, uh, ranked number 18th in the nation uh, in, the, in the latest rankings. Uh, return a lot offensively. They have a new head coach, uh, with being, that being Joe Moorhead, former offensive coordinator at Penn State. Really have a lot of uh, returning weapons, uh, 17 total returning starters on both the off- on offense and defense combined, including nine of which uh, on offense. So with that, uh, we also get to see the season debut of uh, Nick Fitzgerald, uh, their star quarterback who was suspended for the first game uh, against Stephen F. Austin. Obviously, Mississippi State had no problems against Stephen F. Austin uh, winning handily. However... What what is the scouting report for for what Nick Fitzgerald does? He does a little bit of everything. Uh, had almost two thousand yards passing, almost a thousand yards rushing last year before injuring uh, himself. Uh, I think it was a dislocated ankle against Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. So this will be his first game back, uh, coming off of a pretty significant injury. So definitely something to watch. I would not be surprised uh, to see uh, Keaton Thompson. Uh, Mississippi State's backup quarterback, uh, having a couple special packages for him in this game. Uh, he had seven touchdowns, five passing, two rushing last that's, week. That's pretty good. It's an SEC record. Wow. Really? Yep. He tied for the SEC record for most touchdowns in the game. So, uh, very physical runner, uh, Keaton Thompson, as well as Nick Fitzgerald. So, this isn't a team that's going to uh, – they're going to spread you out still, but they are not a – prolific passing team. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald, a little bit of an inaccurate passer. Same with Keaton Thompson. Uh, last uh, last season, Nick Fitzgerald had 15 touchdowns to, a, to 11 interceptions. So not a guy that uh, wants to beat you with his arm necessarily, but a guy that can beat you in both ways. If you cheat up too much on the run, he can definitely make you pay with the pass. So dual threat quarterback. K-State sees a lot of those, of course, in the Big 12 throughout the years. So offensively, I don't think Mississippi State presents anything in terms of a new challenge for K-State, but certainly a talented group. Well, yes and no. I mean, I think that uh, that Moorhead, uh, Moorhead's offense is pretty modern, and that's not to say that we don't have modern offenses in the Big 12, but when I think of... Big 12 football, I don't really think of too much of the hyper-modern RPO stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what Moorhead likes to do. That's what he liked to do at Penn State, and it's pretty much been his MO, uh, you know, even when he was... Head- For, yeah, he was the head coach at Fordham, yeah, I, and he had really tremendous success turning him around. There was a uh, an article that you shared with me, uh, from Bill Conley uh, talking about Joe Moorhead, and it was pretty impressive. The guys uh, really climbed up the coaching ladder very quickly. Yeah, and an interesting thing, uh, there's a bit of irony at play here uh, that will be at play here on Saturday uh, because Moorhead actually credits Snyder for being one of his big influences uh, in how he developed his offense um, because – Moorhead actually played at Fordham uh, under Nick Quartero, who was an assistant under Snyder back in the 90s. And Quartero really implemented a lot of Snyder's philosophies 
Uh, but in particular, he implemented the decision-making authority, the sovereignty that the quarterback has to have uh, in this offense in terms of being able to check at the line, uh, being able to make reads at the line or in terms of the option. Uh, And that same philosophy has just been modernized by Moorhead in the RPO. And it's the irony comes in because here you have Moorhead who is trusting his quarterback to do so much. He's seen as one of the bright minds, the bright offensive minds in college football and credits it to Bill Snyder. But one of our big complaints about Bill Snyder's current offense is this uh, quote-unquote read option stuff that it's fairly apparent that these supposed reads are actually predetermined handoffs uh, just with a read action so to speak, like you would if it's a play action. Sure. But they're, they're strict handoffs. And so on the one side, you have Moorhead, who puts a ton of trust in his quarterback to make these decisions. And on the other side, you have Snyder, who is not giving his quarterback that authority. So that's uh, it'll be a, an interesting contrast on Saturday to see kind of a, not quite a mentor-mentee relationship, but something akin to it in these two differing uh philosophies in terms of quarterback trust yeah absolutely i think that's a that's a really good point that you bring up drew and uh you know like i had mentioned uh joe moorhead a guy from western pennsylvania coaching down in the deep south here it's a probably a bit of a culture shock to take over a a head man program uh like mississippi state when you've came from head coach at fordham Offensive coordinator at Penn State, now the head coach at Mississippi State. So a guy who's really quickly ascended up uh, the coaching ladder. Uh, one thing I did find about uh, Joe Moorhead that I thought was noteworthy is he's currently on pace not to lose a game at Mississippi State. Well, let me check your math there. I think I think I added it up right. Uh, if you, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. He is on pace to win every game. Something to keep an eye on here as we... As we uh, as we follow his career going forward, Bear Bryant, man, watch out. Yeah, no, uh, nothing is nothing safe there. So we'd be, I think, we'd be a little bit remiss if we didn't uh, mention this defense that Mississippi State's bringing to Manhattan. Yeah, a defensive line that uh, is thought by many to be one of the the top off or the top defensive lines uh, in the country. Not only uh, are they physical, big, they're also experienced. Uh, according to Phil Steele, who uh, has the the Bible of college football preview magazines. He ranks Mississippi State as the third best uh, defensive line unit in the country. Only only uh, Clemson and Ohio State he has better. Uh, so for those playing at home, he says Mississippi State has a better offensive line or better defensive line than Alabama. Wow. So, uh, well, that's a, that's a matchup K State fans can't be too thrilled about in light of. Uh, in light of Saturday's performance against uh, South Dakota, because I think uh, the Mississippi State D line is going to be a little, a little more of a handful than uh, than we saw against the Coyotes. Absolutely, it, it's it's a talented unit. Uh, the defensive side of the ball returns eight starters. Probably pound for pound, geez, I'd have to say the best defense K State is going to play this season, hands down. Yeah, obviously the usual suspects in the Big 12, you, you worry a little bit about the Iowa States, the 
the TC well Iowa State I should yeah come on, come on. <laughs> the TCU's of course but I think Iowa State Stevens is going to be fine too but no I think it's it's clear that this is going to be the toughest test uh, of the season for uh, K State's offensive line yeah I I have a I have a tough time disagreeing with any of that uh, not only does Mississippi State have you know, a great defensive line, but they have they have caliber players, NFL caliber players, up and down, up and down their roster at, at all levels of, of the of the defense. So this isn't just a, a great run stuffing team, but this is a, a unit that has a lot of really talented playmakers uh, at all levels of the defense. So uh, that's kind of a quick preview of what Mississippi State has to offer. Let's transition this conversation uh, a little bit to what K State has. What does K-State need to do uh, to be able to win this game? Well, K-State, it's a tall order, but K-State is going to have to find a way to run the football. I mean, the running game is always going to be what stirs uh, the 2018 offensive drink for Kansas State. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, Zuber had a great game last week. I think Schoen can do stuff for us. Isaiah Harris is going to be back in the lineup this week. Yep. Uh, But... They are just not a unit that is going to find much success unless the defense is respecting the running game. And if Mississippi State can line up with uh, their base formation without committing any more guys to the box than they otherwise would, then K-State's not going to find success through the air. Mm -hmm. And so unless we can get some hay, make Mississippi State respect us, uh, running the football, uh, then there's not going to be anything there because if we try to run a play action, you're not going to have the safeties and the defensive backs biting on uh, the play action, and there's not going to be anything available over the top. So I would expect K-State to rely a lot on the lead blocking uh, schemes that had success last weekend. I think we're going to use... Uh, the quarterback run game a significant amount more than we saw against South Dakota, uh, but I hope we see that in more of a uh, power situation where we're not. It's not the zone reads uh, that we uh, that we saw last week, but actually uh, power power sets. And if we can be getting having some success with that, then I would look for K State uh, to try to beat them over the top. You know, one thing I think that is going to be very, uh, be very important here in this game with K State is establishing the run. As you mentioned, I think they've got to do it in, in a variety of ways. Uh, you know, if we're getting the ball to the outside on maybe some quick end arounds, something that doesn't take too much time, like maybe some jet sweep action, uh, I, I think that that has has some potential. I think what we really need to do is be diverse in our running attack, whether it's quarterback run. Uh, whether it's really running a, a true zone read, uh, mixing in power, mixing in counters, uh, you know, mixing in screen passes. Uh, you know, obviously, screen passes are, are a bit of an extension of the running game. So I think that all of that has to work for K-State uh, to move the ball offensively on the ground against a team like Mississippi State, uh, a team that, among one of the best defenses in the SEC, is it's, it's not going to be a, an easy task for K-State. No, it's not. And in – you just hope that the offensive line uh, is back in order this week, is able to play better than last week, and get just a better push at the point of attack. Um, uh, 
Because without that, K-State's dead in the water. What do you think about the quarterback situation here in this game? Would you start Thompson, or would you, as you mentioned, with uh, the quarterback running game being uh, having a kind of a renewed focus here, do you start Delton here in this situation? I think all offseason I said Delton ought to be the quarterback. The offense makes sense with Delton in. But I always had a caveat to that, which was Thompson is going to be the better quarterback against Mississippi State. He should be the guy in that game. And I said that because of the the front four of Mississippi State. I think K-State is going to have a real problem running the football against them. But I think that Thompson gives us the better chance here because he actually can make those passes downfield, uh, which we saw to shown on Saturday. And, and I think we've seen throughout Skylar Thompson's career is he's had some really you know good touch on, on balls down the field. Uh, of course, you think about the Oklahoma State game uh, last year where he was finding Byron Pringle. It's, it seemed almost at will against the Oklahoma State secondary uh, as K-State was able to win that game. I liked, but I think all of that stuff that uh, Thompson's able to do throwing the ball downfield is first predicated by being able to run the ball effectively. Exactly, and that's my point. I think that with Delton in the game against Mississippi State, I think he's going to have a really hard time gashing them in such a way that they devote so much, uh, so many bodies to stopping the run that we can afford to have Delton throwing over the top. Because mm. Delton, God love him, he's just not that capable throwing downfield. He can do it in certain situations where the defense is so devoted to the run, like we saw a couple times against Oklahoma last year, where the defense is so concerned with Barnes and Delton because they've been gashing him for uh, seven yards, eight yards a clip. But I don't think K-State's running game is going to be so effective that Delton will then have success through the air. Because I think Mississippi State will be able to mostly handle our run without having to cheat too much. And so in that respect, I think Thompson, uh, just because he's more capable downfield, will be able to take advantage of uh, Mississippi State's defense. How do you see our defense matching up with uh, Mississippi State's offense? I think... With what I saw from the, uh, from what I saw from the defense, I, I'm a, I'm encouraged that uh, with Blake Seller calling the defense now, that we'll be more aggressive in certain situations. Which, you know, I'm not really all that worried about Mississippi State beating us down the field, you know, chucking the ball all over the yard on us. However, I think they'll gladly take five yards of carry, and you know, if they if we are cheating up too much. Uh, they'll pound us, uh, you know, with a deep throw down the middle. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty concerned actually about how our defense is going to fare. Uh, mostly, that's just out of respect for Moorhead's offense. I think uh, they're going to be able to gash us um, to punish our defense because I think, especially size love, you're it's going to be hard for him to get to the spots on the edge. Uh, that Mississippi State will be able to beat us to. Um, and so I, I don't have a lot of faith in our defense being able to uh, bottle up Mississippi State's offense. I think that uh, it's a sophisticated enough offense that they're going to be able to do a lot against us. 
but I could 100% be wrong. Patton might be a guy. Size love might step up. Uh, Walker could be getting pressure like he did last weekend and actually finishing the plays. So maybe we'll hold up, but I don't like our chances. I, I do not like the matchup on, with Mississippi State on either side of the ball. Do you, One thing I am concerned uh, to, to go back, I, the reason why I'm not as concerned about uh, Mississippi State going through the year is I think Fitzgerald could show a little bit of rush with, here with his first game being back. Uh, not, a, not already a real accurate passer already, but they do have some matchups out there that they have to like. Uh, I, I was looking through uh, some of their depth chart uh, at the wide receiver position. Tall, rangy wide receivers. Uh, Duke Shelley had a problem last week with uh, Kroll there at, at uh, uh, for um, for South Dakota. These guys are going to be a little bit better athletes than than what South Dakota had to present. So the the wide receiver matchup, uh, if Fitzgerald can deliver the ball, they've got some playmakers out there uh, that can that can catch and run with it. Absolutely, and I think you might be right in terms of Russ, especially with the new coach, that maybe K-State will get lucky and maybe Fitzgerald will make some wrong reads in this complex offense because it's certainly not necessarily the easiest offense to run. And if he makes one or two bad reads, K-State can take advantage of it with a turnover or two, and then all of a sudden things aren't looking so good for Mississippi State. But... uh if Fitzgerald plays like he can play, like he's capable of playing, then I think uh, K-State's going to have a hard time. So look for him to make some wrong reads. If that starts becoming a, if that starts happening at a fairly consistent rate, then I think K-State's going to have a ton of success. But a lot is dependent on Fitzgerald's decision-making. Yeah, I think decision-making, uh, I, I, I have a pretty good feel that Fitzgerald will be fine there. I think the rust, though, is something to keep an eye on. I, uh, with any time a guy comes off of a, of a, you know, a pretty bad injury like he did, you always wonder where he's at mentally with that. Uh, all indications are he's good to go, but once you get out there and you're playing, you, you take the red jersey off and you, you can actually get hit now. A little bit different mindset. He's an experienced player, so uh, and he's a good player. So I, I encourage Kansas State fans to to keep an eye on him. Uh, of course, on Saturday. We're going to take our final break here, and we're going to be back with our prediction and to answer a few listener questions here on the Short Side Option. Back here on the final segment of the short side option this week, uh, where we're going to get into a few listener questions as well as give our pick on K-State versus Mississippi State. Uh, first question is submitted to us by Cody Weems. Uh, he has a two-parter here for us, Drew. Okay. First part, is the lynch mob back? And yeah. then the second part... Oh, sorry, I'll let you finish. No, so that's fine. And the second part, and this might be a little bit of a misdirection here for you, is can an undersized kicker exhibit the same grit and tenacity needed to warrant the nickname? Do we already have a nickname for Blake Lynch? I I don't. Do we? I don't see why not. Uh, the only the only other I, nickname I, I have for him is Groza. 
Groza right, or yeah. or neat little guy. Neat little guy. Either one works. As, as Snyder likes to call him. No, we'll uh, we'll have to think of a nickname for him because he's gonna because he is a neat little guy. Yes. And we we really appreciate him and we think he's just fantastic. Uh, but let me answer the first question also. Is the lynch mob back? Unequivocally. Did it ever leave? To be back, it had to have left. So that even begs the question, is the, is, is the lynch mob back even a valid question? You know what? I do think that the lynch mob may have left at some point. But after watching the South Dakota game, it's clear to me that the lynch mob is back. The, the numbers don't lie, folks. K-State allowed zero points in the second half against South Dakota. Strong indications that the lynch mob is indeed back here. As we move on to a few more listener questions here, uh, these were submitted to us via Twitter uh, from at TH8 underscore. Will our offensive line, highly regarded coming into the season, be more successful in opening holes in the running game this week? No. Um, but that's a product of who we're playing. I think it's, I don't think Alex Barnes is going to get 100 yards on Saturday, for instance. Uh, that's, I, I think that we're going to have less success against Mississippi State than we will, uh, than we did against South Dakota. I'll, I'll differ in my response, but I think we will see a better production. Uh, I think we'll see a better performance from our offensive line. The production may not match that just because of, as you mentioned, uh, the, the the quality of opponent we're going up against. But I think the offensive line is gonna is going to show people that they can compete. I don't think we're going to be gouging them for you know 300 yards, 250 yards, anything like that. But I think KC will have some success running the ball, and I think a lot of that will be in credit to uh, the offensive line having a nice bounce back there. So uh, we're we're going on here to the next question um, presented here by Specs. Uh, do do the Cats win with a positive turnover margin? Well, it depends on how, posi- how positive okay. the margin is. Yes, well, that's a fair question. So plus two, what do you, what do you think there? Plus two, I like our odds a lot. Um, I think plus one. Depending I, on what that plus one is. If, it's a, if it might be a pick six, then yeah. Then we're talking. Then but we're if talking. it's a long interception, then I think it's it, – if it's a long punt, essentially, uh, then I don't know if it helps us all that much. But I think – yeah, I'll go out and make my claim. If K-State gets, goes pause plus two in turnovers this weekend, yeah, I think K-State wins. Okay. What about you? What's, what's the number have to be for you to say K-State will win if we get this many turnovers? I think if K-State goes plus two, I think they can win this game easily. Um, not easily. Not like we're going to you know, beat them 37-14 or anything like that. But I do think K-State, if they go plus two in the turnover margin, any game this season will have a tremendous chance to win. Uh, Mississippi State, they're going to probably need to be at that plus two uh, margin to have a chance. Plus, uh, with a plus one turnover margin, uh, that can be that can be you know a little bit misleading, like you said, with a you know with a turnover that's essentially a you know a long punt, you know what whatever the case is there. But I think if K State is positive in the turnover margin, uh, they give themselves you know more than a fighting chance uh, to be able to knock off Mississippi State. Uh, the next question is uh, presented to us by. Uh, Ethan here on Twitter at E underscore S for KSU. Do you think Duke will bounce back against uh, Mississippi State, or do you think he'll continue to struggle against bigger receivers? Well, like we talked about earlier, we he did have a better second half uh, against South Dakota. Um, 
But I think he'll have a better performance this weekend. Uh, I don't think we'll see him getting too... I don't think we'll see anything like the first half against South Dakota, where he just looked a little lost and at a lot of times. I think on one play he was he was at least seven or eight yards from the wide receiver on one of those curl routes. And so I would look for him to to not be quite as out of position as he was against South Dakota. Um, I do expect uh, Mississippi State to try to pick on him because I think that's going to be the M.O. of a lot of offenses we face this year is go right after them. We saw that last year. We saw that against South Dakota. Um, it seems to be the, the game plan against us. But I do think that he'll have uh, he'll have a better performance this week than he did last week. Yeah, I agree with that for the most part. I think you did a really good job outlining that. Uh, teams have shown that they're willing to go right at him and to make him, uh, to make him show that you need to throw elsewhere. And uh, against... Against South Dakota, he did not have a great performance, but did settle down a little bit in the second half. I expect him to be to be solid. Uh, not, I don't think he's going to, you know, shut down a side of the field necessarily. But I think he'll have a much better performance uh, against Mississippi State. I think he'll be, uh, I think he'll be a big reason why our defense does have a little bit of success against against Mississippi State. Uh, our next question is presented to us by E Talbs. Uh, Etalbs asks, what do you make of the penalties from the South Dakota game? Was there anything about them that makes you think it will be an issue this season? No, I, I don't take a lot away from it. I think it's, I think the penalties uh, is a first game thing where, you know, maybe the team's ultra hyped up. They're also probably pretty frustrated and anxious getting later into that game, particularly with the big interception run back that had the Pass interference, and uh, then and then Eli Walker slamming the ball down in frustration for another fifteen yards. Right, exactly. And yeah. so that, that was, was a big penalty too. Thirty uh, yards in penalties on one play. Yeah. Um, you don't see that all that often. But no, I think that I think it was mostly game one stuff, general sloppiness, uh, and I would expect us to be a little bit more disciplined as we move through the season. Yeah, I, I'm not too worried about it. And, you know, we kind of mentioned, poked a little bit of fun, that the the tired cliche that we get from a lot of uh, these broadcast teams that come in to announce our games is, oh, you know, K-State's a – this Bill Snyder team doesn't beat themselves. They don't turn the ball over. They don't have they don't have penalties. They don't beat themselves. And that's generally true. K-State has done a, has done a pretty good job over the years I was looking – uh, through the numbers uh, from twenty or from two thousand twelve to to now, where K State has been in terms of penalties uh, per game in the Big Twelve, and they're they're never dropping below four, so you know pretty darn good. I I'm not too worried about the penalties uh, for the remainder of the season. However, uh, I believe K State is the tops in the conference right now in penalties, so not trending well uh, for K State at this point. Uh, our, our final question here before we get into our, our predictions here is uh, from at KSU underscore funny 33. He says, which dum-dum on the coaching staff thinks Delton is anywhere close to being the number one quarterback? Uh, well, I, I take issue with the syntax of the question, but I think that it's who the person he's asking about is probably Snyder. I think... Uh, Snyder has always had an affinity for the runner, um, notwithstanding uh, the Water-Sams uh, battle. But I think uh, 
Well, actually, I think that it was Snyder that favored Sam's because the company line there was that Dimmel was the one pushing for Waters. It was the right decision. Well, be that as it... That's for another podcast. Be that as it may, uh, I think Snyder's probably the one pushing for Delton. He's the more experienced guy. He's the runner. I get what Snyder sees in him. And keep in mind, folks, that we were not there during the spring. We were not there during the fall practices. We saw about half a game, well, about five-eighths of a game from Delton and three-eighths of a game from Skyler. And that's not the biggest sample size in the world. And so take Saturday with a grain of salt. But I do think that Snyder is the one uh, who is probably uh, pushing for Delton. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's pretty clear that that Snyder does have uh, if there is a preference that it would be towards Delton uh, for the and I you know I don't quite understand it uh, I think you know one thing you always hear regarding K State is they want to be multiple they want to be diverse in, in their offensive attack and with Skyler you do give up a little bit more um, with the runner but he is still proved to be you know a capable runner had a had a nice long he ripped off a nice long run against South Dakota and I think with with really a bit more of a read game uh, he could exploit you know maybe a little bit of quickness to the edge Dalton is definitely more of a straight line runner uh, he doesn't really do a great job of making people miss in open field but uh, if he gets a if he gets a hole and, and there's some daylight he can get through it uh, much quicker than Skyler can so I think that there's room for both quarterbacks in this game uh, I would like to see it be Skyler pretty well all the way, uh, but I would like to see Dalton uh, get some run in in some you know running packages. However, he is capable of throwing. I think you know with you get uh, Mississippi State to come up, uh, play the run since they see Dalton's in there. He's shown that he is capable of of hitting you know the deep passes uh, off play action. I think there's room for both of these quarterbacks in the game, but. I think K-State didn't really – I don't think the coaching staff showed me much in terms of that they have the that they have the wherewithal really to, to manage that situation effectively. I, I did not like the way that they, they handled uh, the quarterback situation. I think with, with Skyler being the starter and him getting pulled relatively early after really no fault of his own and then seemingly giving Dalton a, a quite a bit longer leash – as the guy who was the second-string quarterback, that was certainly puzzling to me. Yeah, it was. and I, But I wouldn't consider the uh, the reps that each got against South Dakota to be necessarily representative of how the quarterbacks are going to be handled. I think that it's likely that, that it was a scripted to a degree of, okay, Skyler's going to get this many snaps or this many possessions – uh, then we're, Delton's going to get this many possessions and treat it as kind of a live tryout. But uh, obviously when things started going sideways, it became clear that the coaches were going to have to choose who do we want in this game to win it. And ultimately they chose Skyler there. So uh, if you're hoping for Skyler moving forward, that's got to be a good sign for you. But uh, regardless, to get back to your question, I think probably the the offensive coordinators uh, won most or all of them 
choose would prefer Thompson, but Snyder's probably the one uh, who's requiring Delton to get uh, a certain amount of snaps. Okay, well, that's uh, all of our, our user-submitted questions, uh, our listener-submitted questions. Thank you guys for those questions. Uh, we'll be looking for more of them uh, in upcoming editions of the podcast. And uh, now we're going to get into our picks here. Uh, we, we've previewed it for you guys. Now uh, we'll, we'll make our picks here uh, for this Week 2 matchup. Uh, just a little background for, for those folks that uh, care to have a little bit more than a rooting interest in the game. Uh, for those folks that... Uh, May like to uh, throw down some cash on the game. K-State opened as a 7.5-point underdog uh, to Mississippi State. Uh, That was quickly bet up within about two hours to Mississippi State getting to be a 10-point dog. Then it dropped down, or Mississippi State being a 10-point favorite, excuse me. And uh, they pretty well stayed that uh, as of of the the podcast time, Mississippi State is a 9-point favorite uh, over K-State. Drew, how do you see this game playing out? I see this game playing out. Uh, I think Mississippi State is going to mostly be able to do what they want with the ball um, on the offense. I think uh, K-State's defense is going to have its handful with the RPO stuff, and I think Mississippi State's going to have quite a bit of success offensively. I think K-State is going to be able to score some points against the defense. Uh, Wouldn't expect a lot. Uh, I think K-State gets two touchdowns in this game and tacks on a couple field goals. I see this game going uh, Mississippi State's way. If I, if you're interested in more than the winner, I would say uh, I think Mississippi State's going to uh, win the game and uh, cover the spread. Well, I, I see it. My final score is 34-20 Bulldogs. 34-20 Bulldogs. So we, we see this game relatively similar. Uh, I think Mississippi State will win this game on the field. Uh, I think Mississippi State, as you mentioned, I think that defense is going to be really tough for K-State to get uh, a lot going. I think it's paramount for K-State to get off to a good start. If they're playing this game from 10, 15, or 10 14 points behind, it's going to be really tough to, to make enough headway with that strong defense. I think K-State uh, hangs around in the first half, uh, You know, maybe has the lead. But I ultimately see, uh, I ultimately see Mississippi State uh, winning this game, thirty-one to twenty-three. Okay, so a little closer. A little closer. I think K-State just not going to make quite enough plays in the passing game, uh, and and I think a lot of that's going to be due to not having an established run game where we're going to have to go back straight drop back, and I think Mississippi State's got enough talent on that defensive line to pressure uh, either Skylar Thompson, who I think is going to get most of the snaps here uh, in, in this game against Mississippi State, uh, into making either some, some rush throws or, or some uh, mistakes uh, that could go really the other way and hurt K-State in this game. So I've got Mississippi State winning this game 31-23, uh, a win for the Bulldogs, but maybe a win for the Wildcats if you get in at the right time. So that's how we have this game going. Uh, for for Drew, for Chris, we're signing off here. Thank you for listening to the Short Side Option.